Now joining us on the phone lines, he's the play-by-play voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, Jones Angel. Good morning, Jones. How are you, man? Rob, I'm doing great. Hope you're doing well and uh, looking forward to some basketball this weekend. Tar Heels uh, coming off that nice win on Wednesday against Tennessee where they played, gosh, played really well in that yeah. first, uh, 20 minutes in particular and then um, hosting Florida State. So it's not getting any easier as they jump into conference play uh, for an early uh, December conference game on uh, tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock and then they're heading to New York to see Connecticut after that. So Busy stress continues, but a really big game coming up on Saturday for Carolina to try to keep its momentum going. Yeah, when we last talked with you the day after Thanksgiving, we were kind of previewing the next few games for the Carolina men's basketball team and how it's going to be a tough stretch. You check off the box for that first one, like you mentioned the other night, uh, a very solid win over uh, number 10 Tennessee, putting up 61 points in the first half getting into triple digits, hit the century mark uh, for the win. What were just your overall thoughts uh, from that game? Well, and, you know, Rob, I'll start and say I, I think Carolina's tough stretch started in the Bahamas. You know, I mean, I, I think they had a really nice win uh, against Northern Iowa to start that event off. And then when you and I spoke last week, they had just had that really tough overtime loss to Villanova, but they bounced back with, with a big win against Arkansas. Uh, later that day. That was on Friday a week ago to finish up that battle for Atlantis tournament. And so, yeah, I, I thought that Arkansas win was, was really an important one for them uh, to both bounce back from losing to Villanova the day before and just to get a quality win. And, and so they did that. We saw Arkansas defeat Duke earlier this week. So, yeah. you know, they're a very good team. They've been ranked early in this season as well. And, and then to come back in that victory over Tennessee. You know, the Carolina was and Hubert Davis said this after the game. You know, he said it was as that that first half was as good as he had seen the Tar Heels look in his 12 years here at Carolina, either as an assistant coach or as the head coach. And so, you know, you're saying something when you say that. And when you factor in the level of competition, um, it really was impressive. You know, whether it was sharing the basketball, whether it was pushing the pace, whether it was rebounding at a high level, getting to the free throw line, making your free throws. You know, dominating in the paint, kicking it out to the outside for open looks. I mean, all those things happen. And Carolina, I, I really thought it was the pace, though, Rob, that stood out to me the most. Um, I, I think when you think of Carolina basketball, particularly in the Roy Williams era, one of the things you think of is, is moving at a quick pace and, and not doing so out of control, but pushing the tempo after made baskets uh, or missed baskets or turnovers or whatever it might be. I thought you saw that um, at a high level in that game against Tennessee, where even after made baskets by Tennessee, and there were a bunch of them because they were shooting well and playing well, <laughs> right. um, that Carolina was able to to get down the floor quickly and, and get easy looks or draw a foul or, or whatever it might be. And so to, to me, that was really the thing that stood out and, and was maybe the most impressive of, of Carolina's performance. All right, so going into tomorrow afternoon's game, like you mentioned, ACC opener, uh, taking on Florida State at home tomorrow at 2 o'clock. What is the biggest thing that sticks out to you about the Seminoles? Yeah, Florida State, you know, if you've seen Florida State over the last several years, you know, you could probably close your eyes and envision what they look like. A bunch of athletic guys out there that are really deep. You know, they have, first of all, they have 20 guys on their roster, which is crazy. Um, but they, they will run out a bunch of players, just waves of players at you. 
And, and Leonard Hamilton's done such a good job there. They're coming off a difficult year. But in total, he, he has really made Florida State um, one of the better teams in the ACC year in and year out. And he does it with depth. He does it with defensive pressure. He does it with athleticism. Um, I mean, Rob, they're forcing 17 turnovers a game, and wow. 10 of those are by steal. So it's a small sample size still here early in the season. But, man, I, I, if you're doing that, if you've played six or seven games and, and putting up numbers like that, that's, that's pretty darn impressive. And, you know, they have a win over UNLV. They have a win over a good Colorado team. Um, they just lost by two to, to Georgia in the middle of the week, so a really close defeat. So they'll be trying to bounce back. Um, and for Carolina, um, it would be a disservice to Florida State's program to suggest this is some kind of trap game or sandwich game or something like that. But when you had Tennessee on Wednesday and you have UConn coming up on Tuesday and Kentucky after that, right. um, you don't want this one to get lost. I mean, th- this is just as important as, if not more so, because it's a conference game as well. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you want to make sure that your attention is fully there because Florida State is 100% good enough and Carolina has 100% not proven enough um, to just suggest that, that they can roll the ball out there and win the game. So um, got to make sure your attention is fully locked in as well. And we've seen it in years past. It is very important to get off to a good start in conference play in, in this uh, ACC when it comes to men's basketball. Oh, well, I mean, you, first of all, you do play a lot of conference games. I mean, it's, it's silly. You play 20 conference games, which is too many. But uh, so you would say, oh, well, if you lose one early, it's not that big a deal. But, Rob, I tell you, it, I mean, every year it comes down to one or two games. Yeah. Where it's right there where the difference between getting the double bye in the ACC tournament is, you know, are you, and I'm making up numbers here, are you 16-4 and four or are you 15-5 or, you know, whatever it might be. So um, every one of these, even though you do have a bunch of them, every one of them counts. And even though this is the only one you play until then you get into January and start playing them consistently, you know, this one counts just as much as all the other ones. So um, it's an important game for sure for the Tar Heels. Got a few minutes left with you, Jones. Got a couple other things I want to get to. Uh, also, last night, uh, sold out Carmichael Arena for the UNC women's game against number one South Carolina Tar Heels. Coming up a bit short, uh, but wow, what an environment just to watch that and see uh, all the fans turn out to support the Heels for the women's side. Yeah, it was good to see both the commitment to the team and the excitement around the game. And gosh, you know, I thought Carolina um, had chances to win that game. Yeah. You know, they, they played really well, led by 11 uh, in the first half. And it just, and I didn't go to the game, Rob, but just from seeing what, uh, from what I saw of the game, um, they, they just had a tough time scoring um, at times when it mattered. And, you know, South Carolina's really, really good. And, and they've got so much size, and so much athleticism. And, um, it felt like they blocked 100 shots uh, in the game. Um, but what I think it proved to the Tar Heels is, look, you can compete with, with anybody. And, and this is a team that right now I know the Tar Heels are not feeling real good because not only did they lose last night, but they had a tough event uh, down in Florida as part of their Thanksgiving tournament. Um, but this is a team that, that can compete uh, at the national level. It's a team that um, is going to be in the mix of, for the ACC championship. It's a team that is going to go to and have a good seed in the NCAA tournament. And I think that game proved that. I mean, if you look at South Carolina's previous um, results, I mean, 
Rob, they were beating teams. I mean, it was crazy. They, they were beating teams by 40 points, 60 points. Yeah. I think they won a game. Um, <laughs> it was like 103 to 19. Or yes. Something at one point. I mean, it was insane. And so um, for Carolina to go toe-to-toe with a team that is clearly um, one of, if not the best in the country, and they're, they're ranked a very solid number one right now, um, I think was encouraging for Carolina. Would the Tar Heels have liked to have finished the job? Of course they would have. Um, and they don't want to take a moral victory away. But I, I do think it showed you um, that Carolina can compete at the highest level and with that team and, and in that sport. Carolina football off this weekend. You got the uh, ACC championship between Florida State and Louisville coming up tomorrow in Charlotte. Uh, but here locally, Jones, I just wanted to get your thoughts, your reaction to what has happened over at Duke uh, and their football program. Mike Elko leaving for Texas A&M, and then we found out that Riley Leonard is putting his name in the transfer portal. What does that mean for Duke in in your personal and professional opinion? Well, you know, unfortunately, in college athletics now, I, I really do feel like it's really hard to build a program. Like, it's hard to to, to build a long-term hey, this is our you know, five-year plan here, and this is how you're going to do it. Because the, it, you're, you're really building a team from year to year, and, and that's all you can do right now, um, primarily because of the transfer portal. That, and, and so you have a great player like Riley Leonard, and it's hard to hold on to him. And he is a great player. I mean, he, he was terrific. And I think Duke you know, clearly took a step back this year football-wise when Leonard got hurt, I mean, compared to when he was available early in the year to after he was injured, they just weren't the same team as most teams wouldn't be the same team when, when they're really good quarterback goes down. And so it's just so hard to be able to say, okay, well, you know what? Uh, we're good because we have player X here at this position for at least three years. So let you know, let's build around that. And it's just hard to do. And, um, you know, Coach Elko leaving is, is really tough, too, because he was clearly an excellent coach. Um, but that is a challenge. And I will also say this, Rob, you hear all of this about the, the money that uh, certain leagues have compared to other leagues. And oh, why does that matter? Shouldn't this be enough money? And why can't they just mm-hmm. – this is where you see that it really does matter. It's hard to retain coaches when somebody like a Texas A&M is going to offer them the type of money that they offered Mike Elko. And I'm in no illusion, and I'm guessing a lot of Duke folks aren't either, that certainly Texas A&M is, is probably a better job in total than Duke is in, in football. But to not even really give yourself or to be able to have the best opportunity to try and keep a coach like Mike Elko, if you're Duke, when you know that he is an excellent coach, when he's done good things there, but you're a little bit behind the eight ball because of the money side of it, is frustrating. And, and then then I think those are two different stories. I think that's the story on the coaching side. And then on the player side, it's so much about the movement and so much about the, the difficulty in, in building a long-term program right now. It's just very hard to do with the rules in place the way they are. Carolina broadcaster Jones Angel joining us. Thanks so much, Jones. Thanks, Rob. Talk to you soon.